I want to say in the beginning, uh, we're thankful for your presence here. And if you're joining us with Zoom, we'd like to welcome you as well. I'm going to talk a little bit this morning about keeping the law of Moses. There's a lot of confusion in the world, religious world today about the law of Moses and the law of Christ and how they relate to one another. I want to use scripture this morning to answer the question, are Christians to keep the law of Moses or the law of Christ or both of them? I've done quite a bit of study on this subject and many others have as well and I want to thank Dee and Jay for information that they have shared with me over the years that has really helped me in putting this lesson together. Well, there we go. Now I need to back up. There we go. There's four things that I want to talk about this morning. What part of the Bible contains the law of Moses? To whom was the law of Moses given? I want to talk a little bit about the hybrid religions of today. And finally, the apostles' teachings concerning keeping the law of Moses. When, we, when the Bible speaks of the law, the ordinances, the judgments, the law of commandments, the statutes, the covenant, and the oracles of God, these terms usually are used interchangeable to describe the law of Moses. I'll get it right here in a minute. In Deuteronomy 31, beginning with verse number 24, the Bible says, And it came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law in a book, until they were finished, he then commanded the Levites to take the book of the law and put it in the side of the ark of the covenant of God, of the Lord your God, that it may be there as a witness against thee. We need to know what books of the Bible contain the law of Moses that Moses wrote in this book that it talks about in Deuteronomy. We know the Ten Commandments were engraved in stone by God and they were placed in the Ark of the Covenant. Then Moses took the Ten Commandments given by God and he wrote these statutes down in a book and he detailed for the people how they were to live by uh, those commandments. And then he says he placed it in the uh, side of the Ark of the Covenant as a witness against the children of Israel, should they fail to obey it. And it's my intent to let the apostles and Jesus uh, identify the books of the Bible that contains the law of Moses. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 34, Paul said, Let your women keep silent in the church, for it's not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Where does the law say that? In Genesis 3, verse 16, Unto the woman he said, Thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. So Paul quotes Genesis and says it is in the law. So Genesis is part of the law. Romans 7, verse 7, Paul said, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law said, Thou shalt not covet. Where does the law say that? Well, in Exodus 20, verse 17, the Bible says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's uh, house, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Paul quotes Exodus and says it is part of the law. 
In Matthew 22, verse 36, one of the Pharisees came to Jesus and asked him, Master, what, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, Leviticus 19, uh, 19 and verse 18, and says it is in the law. So Deuteronomy and Leviticus are part of the law. In Matthew 12, verse 5, Jesus said, Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath day the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? The priests were commanded to offer sacrifices on the Sabbath, and they were uh, held blameless. Whereas to kindle a fire on the Sabbath or to do any kind of work on the Sabbath was forbidden the Jews. Where does the law speak about this? Well, in Numbers 28, beginning with verse number 9, And on the Sabbath day two lambs of the first year without spot and two tenths deals of flour for a meat offering mingled with oil and the drink offering thereof. This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath besides a continual burnt offering and his drink offering. So numbers is part of the law. Notice what Jesus said. We read about this in the law or this is part of the law. Anything that we read out of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy is part of the law. The, the law refers to the first five books of the Bible or the Pentateuch. Any verse in these books is referred to as the law says because each verse is part of the law. Everything written by Moses in these books uh, in Genesis through Deuteronomy makes up the law of Moses. And my point is, if a person wants to keep the law of Moses, it's important that he know uh, what is said in the law and where to find it. Number two, to whom was the law of Moses given? I believe the Bible identifies to whom the law of Moses was given and who was to observe the things such as the Passover and the Sabbath. As I said in the beginning, there's been much confusion in the religious world about this subject. And I want to look at some scriptures that I believe will shed some light on this subject. In Exodus 34, beginning with verse number 27, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write these words, For after the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with thee and with Israel. And he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Now, he, uh, God told Moses, he says, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. And then he wrote upon the stones uh, the Ten Commandments. In Psalms 147, verse 19, he showeth his word unto Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. He hath not dealt so with any nation, and for his judgments they have not known them. Notice what he says, that he has not dealt with any nation uh, like he has with Israel. These verses identify the children of Israel as the only people to receive the law of Moses. Now I want to 
uh, notice who was to observe uh, some of the feast. We have people today, not, I don't know how many, but I know there's some that want to uh, observe some of the uh, feast in the law of Moses. And I chose the, the Passover uh, to look at. And it, Well, I'm, I need to, I skipped one verse. Uh, in Deuteronomy 5, verse 1, Moses called all Israel unto them and said, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that you may learn and keep them and do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb, and the Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with even us who are all of us here alive this day. Notice what he, he told Moses. He said, and what Moses told the children of Israel, I've made this covenant with y'all. I did not make this covenant with your fathers. I have not dealt so with any other nation. I have uh, given you this law. Now on to the pa uh, Passover. In Exodus 12, verse 42 it is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is the night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. And the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof. Eat thereof. Dropping on down to verse number 48, he says, And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee, and will keep the Passover over to the Lord. Let all his males be circumcised. Then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land. For no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. If you were not an Israelite or a proselyte that had adhered to the covenant of circumcision, you were forbidden to partake of the Passover. Today, the Sabbath is very popular with the religious world to keep the Sabbath. But the first time that I can read uh, that the Sabbath was commanded for man to uh, observe was when God gave it to Israel by the hand of Moses at Mount Sinai. In Nehemiah 9, verse 13 through 14, the Bible says, Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai and spakest with them from heaven. And gave us them right judgments and true laws and uh, good statutes and commandments. And made us known unto them thy holy Sabbath. And commandest them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant. Exodus 31 verse 16. Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel. Notice what God said. The keeping of the Sabbath was between me and and the children of Israel. Remember what he said? He had not dealt so with any other nation. In Deuteronomy 5, verse 14 and 15, the Bible says, or Moses said, the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt. Who was to keep the Sabbath? The Israelites, those that were brought out of Egyptian bondage. 
That's what the Sabbath day represented, a day of rest. Because they had been slaves. And God brought them out uh, of Egyptian bondage. Now from these verses in Nehemiah, Exodus, and Deuteronomy, we must conclude that even though God himself rested on the seventh day, he did not give the law of the Sabbath until he gave it to Moses at Mount Sinai. The Sab uh, Sabbath was the, the seventh day of the week, which is a Saturday. It was a day of rest to remind them that they had been delivered from slavery. You know, some today want to make the first day of the week the Christian Sabbath. But you can find no authority or pra uh, for this practice in Scripture. Moses gave them circumcision as well, but that had been given to the fathers before. That covenant of circumcision was made with Abraham before the giving of law of Moses. The covenant at Horeb, which included the Sabbath, was not made with the fathers, neither did the fathers give it. It was made only with those who were alive at Mount Sinai that day, the children of Israel. Even though circumcision, like I said, had been given to Abraham prior to that time, the covenant of circumcision was confirmed also in the law of Moses. In 1 Chronicles 16, verse 16, even of the covenant which he made with Abraham and of his oath unto Isaac and to Israel uh, and hath confirmed the same to Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. The Sabbath day was commanded to be kept by the children of Israel and to keep it holy. In Exodus 20, verse 8, he says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now I looked at some of the uh, laws that are some of the things that were related to the, uh, the Sabbath and what they had to do to keep the Sabbath. And I'm not going to read these scriptures for the sake of time, but if, you, if you're uh, copying them down, well, if you fail to get uh, all copied down, See me after uh, church, and I will be glad to supply you with the lesson or those scriptures. <clears throat> but you must be an Israelite to partake of the uh, 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 to be a part of the Sabbath. It was to be observed from evening till evening. They were not to do any work on that Sabbath. They were not to even light a fire on the Sabbath. There was to be no cooking. They were not to buy or sell, and there was to be no recreation. It was a day of rest. Is there anyone today that keeps the Sabbath day commandments? Remember what God said? Those that profaned the Sabbath or broke the Sabbath day laws, they were stoned to death. We read about that in Matthew, uh, about the a man that was picking up stones on the Sabbath or picking up sticks on the Sabbath. He was stoned to death for violating the law uh, to not do any work. Number three, when I speak of hybrid religions, 
I'm talking about those that wish to keep portions of the law of Moses, such as the Sabbath and some of the feasts, while also embracing portions of the law of Christ. I've heard people say that we may not be able to keep all the, uh, the commandments of the law, in the law of Moses, but we're to keep the ones that we can. Is that a true statement? I, want, I went through and I looked at some of the laws that pertained, uh, that was in the law of Moses, that were commanded the children of Israel. And it, I thought, these are some commands that we can keep if, we, if, if it's supposed to be kept by us today. One, they were to leave the corners of the field for the poor and the, uh, the stranger. They were not to harvest the corners of the field. Now, I don't know, when I was farming, I wanted every grain that I could get. But these people were commanded to leave the, that for the stranger. There was to be no garments of diverse material. You know, most of our clothing has uh, so much cotton and maybe some rayon or nylon. I'm not a seamster, so I don't know. But uh, it has d a diverse materials in our clothing. But they were commanded that their clothing was to be pure. It was not to have uh, different materials combined. There was to be no diversity in cattle. No mingled seed. The farmers and uh, the ranchers, they rely on the, the different uh, hybrids of seed and of animals. But they were, not, they were commanded to keep the, the strain pure. In Leviticus 19, they, whenever they came into the land and uh, planted their vineyards, they were commanded not to eat of that vineyard for five years. The first three years, it was considered to be uncircumcised or unclean. The fourth year, the fruit was to be for God. And on the fifth year, they were allowed to eat that fruit. The children of Israel were commanded to charge no interest to their brethren when they were lending to, to their brethren. And this is one that I don't believe anybody would even attempt to try to keep. And that was the year of Jubilee. When all debts were forgiven, or when uh, debts were forgiven, and land was returned to its original owner. Deuteronomy 16, they were commanded to go to uh, Jerusalem three times a year to worship. In Exodus 23, on the seventh year, the land was to rest. There was to be no planting or harvesting. My question, does anyone keep all these commandments today? Moses said, if you don't keep the whole law on these ordinances, he said in Deuteronomy 27, 6, cursed is the one who does not confirm all the words of this law by observing them. Observing only portions of the law were not permissible. In 2 Chronicles 33 and 8, so that they will take heed to do all that I have commanded them according to the whole law and the statutes and the ordinances by the hand of Moses. Can you tell me what was left out? Paul said in Galatians 3 verse 10, for as many as are of the words of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things 
which are written in the uh, book of the law to do them. What book was he talking about? The book that Moses wrote in until it was finished. Genesis through Deuteronomy. All that is written in the law must be observed. Would you stone a person that, uh, to death that violated one of the Ten Commandments today? If you wouldn't, you would not be following all the law of Moses. But Paul said we're free from the law of sin and death. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a few minutes. Number four, uh, what were the apostles' teachings concerning keeping the law of Moses? In Hebrews 8, verse 7 through 13, For if the first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them uh, by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their heart, in their mind, and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. For I will be merciful unto their unrighteousness, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. The apostles quote, uh, the apostle quotes uh, a prophecy in Jeremiah 31, 31. And he said if the first covenant could have justified the people... There would have been no need for a second. There was nothing wrong with the covenant itself. The problem was that the children of Israel could not keep the covenant. And whenever they broke the covenant, that brought about the penalty of death. There was no forgiveness of sins. In Hebrews, the ninth chapter, the Bible says, For the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect. All that the law of Moses could do was identify sin and pr pronounce punishment. It could not forgive sin. And he says the reason that the, there needed to be the second covenant because he was finding fault with them. It, well, he wasn't finding fault with the, the covenant. He was finding fault with them because they could not keep it. In that same chapter, he said, The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the, the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was yet standing. In order for the new covenant to be introduced, uh, the first had to be done away with. The apostles said, The old law which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances was imposed on them until the time of Reformation. Now keep that in mind. We're going to talk a little bit more about that until uh, in just a few minutes. Notice what he said. These, po uh, these ordinances was imposed on them. It was binding on them 
until the time of Reformation. Any time that there's a Reformation, that indicates something is going to change. What was that going to be? It was going to be that new covenant that was prophesied in Jeremiah 31, 31. Now I want to turn your attention to 2 Corinthians, uh, the third chapter. I want to exam examine Paul's writings there. Uh, but first I want to read this verse in uh, Exodus 34 because Paul is going to quote this verse uh, in his discourse. In Exodus 34, beginning with verse number 32, And afterward all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them as commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. Paul is trying to contrast the law of Moses and the law of Christ in 2 Corinthians 3. I'm not going to read the entire chapter. It's 18 verses, but I encourage you to do that when you get, have opportunity. But I'm going to point out some things that Paul was talking about uh, comparing the law of Christ uh, to the law of Moses. In the beginning, he said, you're your Christ's epistle, not written with ink, but in the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in tables of the heart. You remember what God said in Jeremiah 31? I'm going to write my laws in their heart. In verse number 7, the things written and engraven in stones, which, was, uh, uh, which glory was to be uh, done away. Now, he said the things that were engraven in stones. We all understand that to mean the Ten Commandments. And he said that was to be done away with. Verse 11, the things uh, that which was done away, he said it was glorious. At that time, it was glorious. But he says, much more, that which remaineth is glorious. That was glorious, and now it, uh, this new law, or this new covenant, it is glorious. He said something was going to be done away with, and something was going to remain. In verse 12 and 13, Whatever Paul was talking about being done away with, which I believe he was talking about the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, is the same thing that was talked about in Exodus 34. And we know that that was the law because he said he came down uh, and spoke to the people what he had received at Mount Sinai. And... Uh, Paul referred back to Exodus and he said these words. We use great plainness of speech and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. Now Paul goes a step further than what Exodus 34 said. He, he uh, identifies the reason for the veil that it kept the children of Israel from seeing the time that the end of the law or when things would come to an end. 
Why? Verse number 14. Why could they not see the end when the law of Moses would be abolished? Paul said it was because their minds were blinded. Continuing on in verse 14 and 15, he says, For until this day remaineth that same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, and when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. You know, we talked about this just a few minutes ago. He says, when Moses is read, what was he talking about? He was talking about the a law that Moses wrote in a book. And he says, when the children of it, when people read that, the veil is up on their heart. But then he goes on in verse 16 and he offers a solution to that. Paul says, when a person stops trying to hold on to that which is abolished and will turn to Christ or turn to the Lord, that veil shall be lifted. The first century Christians were plagued with the same thing that we are today. There are those that teach the keeping of the law of Moses. And Paul was telling the Corinthians, the law served its purpose. It was glorious. But now it has uh, been done away with. And what remains is the law of Christ, this new covenant. And it is glorious. But it served its purpose. It was taken out of the way to make room for the new covenant that God said he would make with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In Romans, the eighth chapter, in verse number two, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I told you we would talk a little bit about that. The spirit of the life in Christ, that's what has made us free from the law of sin and death. In 2 Corinthians 3, 7, he said, but if the ministration of death written and engraven in stones, what was he talking about? What was the law of sin and death? It was the Ten Commandments. Paul called them the ministration of death because they brought death to the transgressor. What does being made free of that law mean? We are no longer bound by that law. We are loosed from the commandments that carried the death penalty. It is impossible to live under the law of sin and death and the law of the spirit of life at the same time. Law identifies sin and condemns. There is no forgiveness. We know that the wages of sin is death. But the law of the spirit of life, the blood of Christ, forgives sin and brings about life. Now I want to uh, look at some statements that the Apostle Paul made. In Romans 6, 14, he says, Ye are not under the law. Romans 6, 15, Ye are not under the law. Romans 7, verse 4, Ye also have become dead to the law. Romans 7, verse 6, We are delivered from the law. What law was Paul talking about? Well, let's let him answer. In the very next verse, in Romans 7, verse 7, I had not known sin but by the law, for I had not known lust except the law hath said, Thou shalt not covet. 
What law said that thou shalt not covet? It was the Ten Commandments. Paul included the Ten Commandments in the law that we are not under. Paul further stated uh, that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Galatians 3.23, he says the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Galatians 3.24, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Galatians 3.25, you are not under the law. Galatians 5 verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Ephesians 2.15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, for to make in himself twain one new man, so making peace. What was the law of commandments contained in ordinances? It was the Ten Commandments. What Moses wrote in the book. And he said it was, he abolished that in his flesh. So he can make one new man. Paul put forth an allegory in Romans 7, beginning with verse number 1. And his whole point was that a woman cannot obey two husbands at the same time. Neither can anyone obey two lawgivers or two laws at the same time. We must follow one or the other. Paul says we must die to the law to be married to Christ. You cannot obey two different laws at the same time. In Acts 13, 39, And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you cannot be justified uh, by the law of Moses. In Hebrews 7, verse 11 through 19, If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is made a necessity a change of the law. For uh, there is verily a disannulling of the commandments going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh to God. The scripture says there was a change in the priesthood and it made that a necessity of changing the law as well. What law was he talking about? Well, the Bible in verse 18 says the, uh, there was a, disannul a disannulling of the commandment. Why was that? Because it was weak. It could not forgive sins. In verse 19, he said, for the law made nothing perfect. All the law could do was identify sin. Under the law of Moses, there was no remission of sins. But he says that bringing in of a better hope did. What was that hope? That was a new covenant that God said he would make with his people in Jeremiah 31, 31. And then in Acts 13, the Bible says, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, 
that through this man is preached the forgiveness of sins. We have a lot of different people with a lot of different ideas in the world today. But John warns us, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because he says many false prophets are gone out into the world. In Galatians 1 verse 6 and 7, Paul says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that calls you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. There are those that were troubling the new converts by perverting or twisting scripture. Who were these people and what were they teaching? Well, I believe we have the answer in Acts the 15th chapter in verse number 24. For as much as we've heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you, with words subverting your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. Did the apostles and the elders of Jerusalem, which were guided by the Holy Spirit, tell the Gentiles that they were to keep the law of Moses, or did they say we gave no such commandment? In Galatians 5, verse 1 through 4, Paul says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect to you, Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. The ESV says you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Paul says those that desire to be under the law of Moses are in bondage, not having the forgiveness of sins. He says don't be entangled again in that. Jesus came to take away the first covenant, which included the Ten Commandments, that he might establish the second. In Hebrews 10, 9, then he said, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. It was God's will to take away the first covenant, the Ten Commandments, the ordinances and the statutes, so Jesus could establish the second covenant or the new covenant that was prophesied in Jeremiah 31, 31. You cannot live under two covenants at the same time. You cannot pick and choose a part of each that you would like to keep and leave the others out. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. Jesus made a complete new second covenant. In Hebrews 8, verse 6, But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is a mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Jeremiah 31, 31, God said he would make a new covenant, not join or combine the two. The law of Moses and the law of Christ 
are not compatible. Jesus said in Luke 5, 36 through 39, And he spake also a parable unto them, No man putteth a piece of new garment upon the, on, an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent. And the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man also, having drunk old wine, straightway desireth the new, for he saith, The old is better. That's exactly what the Jews did. They did not, they were not uh, receptive to the new covenant and to Christ. They didn't want it. They said the old is better. We want to keep the old. In Luke 16, verse 15 and 16, Jesus said, And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. What were they esteeming highly? It was the keeping of the law of Moses. And he says, now that's an abomination in the sight of God. Because he goes on and says, I know he's speaking of the law because the next, very next verse he says, the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. I told you that I was going to talk a little bit about that word, until. You know, he, he talked about the law being imposed upon them until the time of Reformation. He says... The prophets, the law and the prophets was until John. And since that time, the kingdom of God is preached unto you. If I'm out here on Highway 27 driving south, and I take the exit there by McDonald's, and I turn and get on Highway 70 headed toward Alton, Everybody understands that. And there's nobody that misunderstands that. There's nobody that believes that you're on I-27 and Highway 70 at the same time. You're on one road going one direction until you get off and get on another road. And that's the same with this. This law was until Christ came. That preaching that John did the preaching that the apostles did, that's when it changed. He says, if any think that the old law is better and seeks to be justified by the law of Moses, he says, you are severed from Christ. And uh, you who would or who wants to be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Paul said in Romans 3, verse 20, For by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. I want to bring to your mind uh, something that we read in the beginning, how that the law of Moses said in Exodus 12 that the Passover was to be observed by the Israelites and said, This is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof. 
for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. Now listen to what the writer of Hebrews said about those that want to keep the law of Moses. Hebrews 13 verse 10, he says, We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat that serve the tabernacle. What's he talking about? He said, we. Paul is talking to the Christians. He says, we have an altar. What altar is he talking about? He's talking about the Lord's Supper. This offering that Jesus, this sacrifice that Jesus made. And he says, we have an altar. But he says, those people that want to serve the law of Moses have no right to eat of this. Does it get any plainer than that? I want to wind up my thoughts this morning with a reading in Hosea, the second chapter, verse number 11. The Bible says, I will also cause her mirth to cease. Her feast days, her new moons, and her Sabbaths, and all her solemn feasts. Now, Hosea was prophesying of a time when God would cause Israel and uh, Judah's celebration of their solemn feast, their new moons, their Sabbaths to cease or come to an end. However, Hosea said that there would be something that would happen in conjunction with this time when all this stuff would end. We drop on down to verse 21 in Hosea 2. It shall come to pass in that day I will answer, says the Lord. I will also uh, will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth. And the earth shall answer with grain and new wine, and with oil they shall answer Jezreel. Then I will sow her for myself in the earth, and I will have mercy on her who hath not obtained mercy. Then will I say to those who were not my people, Ye are my people, and they shall say, You are my God. What did God say in Jeremiah 31? He says, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It's not going to be like it was. It's going to be different. He says, I'm going to be merciful unto their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. And he says, they will be my people. And he said, I will be their God. Isn't that what he said? Paul quotes Hosea, the second chapter, in Romans, the ninth chapter, begin with verse number 23 through 26. And he equates this time when these new moons, the solemn feast, the Sabbath was going to be done away with, or come to an end, would be a time when the Jews and the Gentiles would be one people. That they would be accepted into the kingdom. And it's during that time frame that the, the solemn feast and the Sabbath would cease. And Christ's kingdom, the church, would be established. And all nations would flow into it. On the cross, as Jesus was dying, 
after he had fulfilled everything that was written of him in the law and the prophets and the Psalms, after he had lived a sinless life, after he had kept the law of Moses perfectly, he said, it is finished. When all had been fulfilled, the Bible says that Jesus took the, uh, the law of Moses out of the way by nailing it to his cross. Colossians 2, verse 14. Jesus broke down the middle wall of partition. He did away with what separated the Jew and the Gentile. He made one new man. He reconciled us to himself. He became our high priest and the author of eternal salvation. From our study this morning, it's evident that there is no salvation in any, th- uh, any other person than Jesus Christ. Men seek other ways to obtain salvation. But Jesus said those that would try to climb up a different way are thieves and robbers. Jesus proclaimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There is nothing under heaven that can save us but the cleansing blood of Jesus. And I want to ask you this morning, have you been justified by that blood? This morning you have the opportunity to take advantage of that precious blood of Jesus and have your sins washed away. I simply ask you the question that Ananias asked Saul. Why are you waiting? Why are you tarrying? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. If we could assist one this morning in being obedient to the gospel, or you have another need, a spiritual need in your life, we ask you to come together as we stand and sing and be seated on the front.